turns the key, drives the lane with three on the shot clock. Doesn't get it. Five seconds to play. Down the floor, a Kogi. He beat the buzzer. What's up, bud? What is going on, man? Not a lot. <laughs> so I, I'm, we're rolling right now. I just will. We can just cold. Well, cold, I'm, going, cold I, I'm going to say I'm freezing my ass off out down here in the south. I can tell you that it's ridiculous. Yeah, man, it's been frosty for yeah the last week or so, I guess. And then you know this morning, I take the dog out and it's raining. So now it's cold and wet, heavy frost in the mornings. I'm not a fan. I'm, I am glad that I'm not in northern Maine right now, though. So. <clears throat> Well, I'm a slightly built fellow, and I do not handle the cold very well, so <laughs> I'm ready for things to warm up. Oh, and by the way, you mentioned uh, Turk. How, how is uh, my man Turk doing? He's good. He's good. Uh, got him a uh, got him a nice uh, little belated Christmas present. Uh, I went to a, uh, a buddy of mine turned me on to a pretty cool website called Tactipop, and they do these customized collars that... Uh, you get like American flags, and you get their names sewn into them, and there you can get like camo and uh, some of the digital camo and stuff like that. So you're gonna pay a little bit for it, but uh, he needed a new collar, hadn't had one in a couple years, so pick that up for him. He looks handsome as shit. Um, we uh, <laughs> it, it was good. We had a, a little bit of a rough couple weeks around the holidays. Um, he got into a little scuffle with one of another dog at uh, at a dog park where um, <laughs> a guy. Uh, took a little bit of umbrage, but uh, he uh, he wasn't particularly following the rules of the dog park, so I kind of took, um, not offense, but uh, I wasn't real forthcoming with any kind of, uh, um, you know, bad feelings. So I didn't feel real bad about it, but I was I was it was unfortunate that uh, that a little girl might have gotten uh, a little bit scarred up in the process. Unfortunately, but uh, it was because her dad kind of panicked. And put her in a situation where she shouldn't have been in the first place. So there's a reason that there's no kids under 12 inside the dog park, and that's why right there. So, um, and then after that, about a week later, um, <laughs> I was taking the trash out to the truck, is all I can figure. And he somehow snuck out without me hearing his uh, his tags on his collar. And I went inside, closed the door, went upstairs. I was watching some college basketball, fell asleep, came around, and uh, he was gone. So, uh, luckily I had a good neighbor that, uh, <laughs> that took him in for the night, and he's got a tag with my phone number on it, so he called me, and I, I went and picked him up the next morning. But it was a long night of me circling the neighborhood and uh, looking for my goddamn dog that somehow snuck out past me in the middle of the damn day. Um, man, uh, Turk's on quite quite the run here, isn't he? He is, man. It, he's a good dog. He just likes to go exploring every once in a while, and we... Um, you know, usually I take him to the, to the puppy play during the day, but during the pandemic... Um, it's been a little bit different as far as checking them in and they've required some additional, uh, additional, uh, prerequisites for allowing them in the facilities and stuff like that. So he's pretty much had to stay home since March and, uh, he needs a little bit of socialization, but he may have lost some of his, uh, uh, social graces over the past nearly a year. Um, let's see. Looking at the ACC right now, three teams sitting atop the standings at 3-0. Virginia, Duke, and Louisville. <clears throat> Duke, I'm really not that sold on right now. It's actually very interesting. They're going to tip off against Virginia Tech here in about half an hour. Um, they are actually, according to Ken Palm, predicted to lose that game by one. Um, they're actually catching two points on the road tonight. Uh, I put up an article last night. That uh, that's that's a value play at plus one fifty four. Uh, Duke on the road, yes. Castle's a difficult place to play, yes. Virginia Tech's probably a better team right now, but as far as getting plus money on a team that's as talented as the Blue Devils, that's a chance I'm kind of willing to take at plus one fifty. So um, I thought it was very interesting that they're they're catching points against Virginia Tech and probably going to catch points against Louisville. Other than that, they're predicted by Ken Palm to win almost every other game of the season up until they play in Chapel Hill, which is the last game of the season. I, I guess, first and foremost, what are your thoughts on Duke? Um, you know, is this is this a, a product of just a difficult season, or is Krzyzewski kind of losing his touch, or, or what do you think is going on in Durham? I've I'm, I'm only watched him a couple times, and I'm just really not 
overly impressed with their roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm probably, I'm certainly not the best person to ask when it comes to Duke basketball because I really try to avoid watching them if, yeah. if possible. I, I'd rather watch anybody else. But uh, yeah, I, I look, Duke's actually favored now. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that may have flipped in the last, you know, so many hours, but, you know, the Duke is now minus one. Um, which is interesting to me because I think Virginia Tech should be favored in that game. Uh, I've watched both teams, and, you know, the fact that Duke's favored tells me that they probably have a pretty good chance to win the game tonight. That's just my take on it. Yeah, I think uh, I I submitted – I want to say I submitted that article um, at about about 24 hours ago, actually, I would say. Um, and it was uh, Virginia. It was Virginia Tech minus two. So it's it's flipped three points in about twenty four hours. Um, not claiming that I had anything to do with that, but um, at the time, if I had placed a wager, I would have taken Duke plus two in a heartbeat. Um, I agree with you. I think Virginia Tech is the better team, but when you have a guy like Matthew Hurt who can put twenty five on the board, DJ Stewart uh, can put twenty five on the board. There's something to be said about that. Wendell Moore has been unpredictable, I guess to say the to say the least. Um, kind of kind of busted out there. Was it against Boston College or Notre Dame? I, I have a hard time remembering which. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Stewart. I think what's what's really hurt Duke the most is the performance or lack thereof uh, of Jeremy Roach. Um, and it's not for like his lack of shooting or anything like that. It's been. The fact that he hasn't been able, he hasn't really played a, a true point guard, which is kind of what I expected of him coming into the season. And he's been more of a spot-up guy for them. He hasn't really been handling the ball a whole lot. And that's that's what I expected. I thought he was a kind of a pure point guard coming into college, and he really hasn't shown that kind of game yet. He's more been a, a corner spot-up guy, which is something that I really didn't anticipate. Um, one, uh, Actually, a couple bits of news um, is... Georgia Tech, there was an article come, that came out in the AJC this week that Tech is going to be back here pretty quick, but they may only have about half of their actual actual roster available to them. So this is a team that only plays about seven to eight guys anyway, and the, the article didn't really, didn't really name which players would be available, but if they are down anybody from the likes of Alvarado, DeVoe, um, certainly Moses Wright, or uh, Bubba Parham, Jordan Usher, any of those guys is going to be a significant loss for a team that's already very thin. Um, expect them to be back on Saturday against NC State. Florida State is finally going to play their first game and since uh, since December 28th, I believe. Uh, tomorrow night, also against NC State. Um, I guess, what is your expectation for Florida State coming off? Coming off a long layoff, and you know, what do you think about a short, a possible shorthanded Georgia Tech team moving forward? I'll start with Georgia Tech. I mean, Tech, to me, is a team that they need all their pieces. Yeah. But I think when they have all their pieces, they can probably they can play with anybody in the conference. Mm-hmm. But when you take a piece or two away, things could get a little bit weird for them. I mean, I like the way the roster's put together. I like Alvarado. I like uh, Moses down low. Um, but you know, layoffs, um, when you have to start changing up your rotation, uh, I'm telling you that really, really messes teams up. And that, that would be a concern for me, uh, about Georgia tech going, going forward. Now, Florida state, I have watched Florida state two or three times. Um, it's still athletic, but they're obviously not what they were last year. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they depend on Scotty Barnes to handle the ball. Um, not not a very good shooting team, in my opinion. I mean, MJ Walker's okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the, the lefty kid whose name escapes it. Polite, I Anthony believe. Anthony Polite, yep. Yeah, he, he's okay. I am a big, big fan of Koprovica, though. I like that kid a lot. He is a player. Uh, but that NC State game, uh, now you said Florida State is playing who? North Carolina State as well. They both will be. Yeah, North Carolina State as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be an interesting game. It really will. And I, I, I couldn't give you a lean one way or the other right now. Well, I will say, uh, looking at G Tech right now, I mean, Alvarado's thirty-six minutes. Wright is thirty-five minutes. Devoe is just about thirty-five minutes. Parham is thirty-one. Usher is twenty-seven. 
and then Khalid Moore plays about 22. After that, it drops down to Kyle Sturdivant at 13, and after that, it's it's thin. So you're talking about a seven-man rotation. If if you get you know if you lose any part of that rotation, any of those seven guys, you're in a world of hurt. Especially especially if it's Moses Wright, because then you're asking Jordan Usher or Khalid Moore to play some kind of small ball five, which I'm not sure is a great situation for them at all. Um, well, you. You said it much more eloquently than 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 I did. Basically, what I was saying: you take one of those dudes out, yeah, you, you've got problems. I think a nice segue into you know Florida State's going to play uh, State tomorrow. Georgia Tech's going to play them on Saturday. The Georgia Tech NC State game is always some kind of craziness seems to always happen in that matchup. Now, when we talked to Deshaun last week. We, we touched on NC State a little bit, and we've kind of touched on them a little bit anyway. Um, it, it, as, well, as far as the season goes, the night after we talked to Deshaun, they go to overtime down in Little John against Clemson. They end up losing by four in a game that was pretty good, but then, um, I mean, they held Amir Sims in check most of the game, then he kind of came alive in the last couple minutes, um, and as well as overtime. He shot a couple of ill-advised threes coming down the stretch, but he got himself on the block in overtime, made a couple baskets, and kind of led Clemson. Um, as he has all season, the big the big exclamation point for me on NC State in closing out the week was a five point loss at home to a Miami team that did not have Cam McGusty or Chris Likes, and to me that's a sign. I mean, I've, I've been saying all along I wasn't buying this NC State team. Um, I know they beat Carolina and they avoided being blown out by St. Louis, but I think we've seen that Carolina is not that good. Um, St. Louis is is good. But, uh, you know, only losing by 11, that's, that's still losing by double digits. And then I guess your next best win is, is Boston College, which was by three points in Raleigh. So, uh, you know, I'm still not buying this NC State team. I think they're going to start to fade over the next couple of weeks. I think, I think what Deshaun may have said this, or you may have said this, or hell, I may have said this. One of us said NC State's going to lose some games they shouldn't, and mm-hmm. they're going to win some games they shouldn't. And, and that that loss to Miami on your home floor, those are games that you just cannot afford to drop because mm-hmm. you have to pick up one somewhere to make up for that. That's right. Yeah, you know, and looking, it was a, a collaborative effort as far as NC State goes. Uh, you know, Jericho Helms, uh, two for six on the day. Uh, let's see, I think Beverly played horribly as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but Braxton Beverly 0 for 6 from the floor. Um, it was it was a real team effort to lose that game uh, to a Miami team that's really historically not very good on defense either. Um, you know, NC State, they just worry me. I like that front court of Bates and Funderburk, but uh, yeah, it's scary. If Devin Daniels ever has an, a, a bad game, then this team is in a lot of trouble. <clears throat> Oh, uh, let's see. What else are we going to talk about tonight? I mean, there's there's a few few good games tonight. I'm going to try to catch as much of that Duke-Virginia Tech game as I can. But with Michigan and Wisconsin playing tonight, that, that game might be on the big screen for me. Well, I, I'll comment on that one. That line is very interesting to me. Michigan, obviously, we both know they've been rolling, mm-hmm. just playing some really good basketball. They're only a three-point favorite at home. Yeah. That has that has some aroma to it to me, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's going to be a close game. And I, I would think the public is going to be on Michigan, so I would expect Wisconsin to play very very well in that game. Yeah, that was actually the article that I published was um, basically three 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 um, three places of value basically, um, and I try to do a line, um, a spread. And a, uh, and a money line, or I'm sorry, and a total. And I think on Wisconsin I had as the spread. And let's see if I can pull that up. And, um, you know, Wisconsin on the road is, is a little bit, not, I don't want to say sketchy, but um, <clears throat> there. But it's not very often that you're going to catch points. Now, I took Wisconsin money line at 154. I was I was confused by yeah I took Duke at the spread at plus two so that makes a little bit more sense. Um, Wisconsin money line at one fifty four on FanDuel is where I pulled the line from, and you know it's not very often you're going to take a, a road team I guess money line but it's also not very often that you get a top ten team at plus money um, 
at any point. So usually Wisconsin, you're going to be paying some kind of juice at, at minus 500, minus 400, something like that. And here, if you're actually catching points, I like that. Um, the Dickinson kid has kind of eaten up some Big Ten schools um, this year. But uh, with Nate Reavers playing really well lately, Micah Potter certainly playing well this season. I think Wisconsin has kind of the horses in the front court to give him a little bit of trouble. And Michigan's not a great outside shooting team, so... Uh, you know, I, th- I think I would put money on Wisconsin, Wisconsin straight up and, and feel pretty good about it, even though it's on the road. Well, when everybody starts to love a team mm-hmm. and you start to see them all over the basketball Twitter sphere and everybody's giving them love, this is really a good spot for Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, listen, Michigan is a good team, but they're beatable. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're beatable. You know, I, personally, the line looks low to me. Miski minus three mm-hmm. looks low. Um, I, so I'm with you. I think there's excellent value w- with Wisconsin at plus money. What team, getting back to the ACC, um, who did we just see? Uh, Georgia Tech's coming back. Florida State's coming back. Did somebody just shut it down? Just, just announced it today. Let me pull this up real quick. I know West Virginia just postponed three games. Um, damn it. Hmm. I guess we'll go to the Evil Empire ESPN and see what I'm trying to remember here. Savior at the buzzer, blah, blah, blah. Huh, I thought somebody else shut it down. I know West Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia shuts down three games. Oh, Tennessee and Vanderbilt postponed a game. Oh, the other big, the other big news that I saw today was, uh, the Jamal, Jamal Baker kid from Arizona lost to a wrist injury. I believe he's their second leading scorer. That's going to be huge. But Arizona's not playing in the postseason this year anyway. They self-imposed some kind of sanctions due to uh, Sean Miller cheating his ass off for about the last 10 years. So um, that's neither really here nor there. Um, I guess on, on a Saturday slate, I think what's going to be very interesting is... This Clemson-Virginia matchup, right now Clemson's the number one team in the country um, as far as adjusted uh, defensive efficiency according to Ken Palm. You know, Virginia is still Virginia. They may not be as uh, potent offensively this year as they have been in years prior to last year. What are you looking for in this Clemson game, and is there any way that you would ever vote or bet the over on this Virginia and Clemson game? I tend to, when I look at totals, and this is goes counter to what a lot of people would, the way a lot of people would do it, the short answer would be no, mm-hmm. because when I, when I see a very low total, I'm much, my first instinct is to bet under. Yeah. Oh, so, really? To bet under? Know, yeah, okay. a, a, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, that there's the total will probably be, I'm guessing, what? 111, 113? 111 to 112, maybe yeah. maybe 115. Uh, so th- to answer that question, no, I would not play over. So it's interesting I, because when I look at totals, I'm looking for low totals that stick out so I can bet the over. I, well, I don't know why, but I have a propensity to want to bet the over very often. Well, that's that's the way the public is. I yeah. mean, people like people like scoring. Mm-hmm. They like to root for scoring, which leads people to bet a lot more overs than unders. And I would guess that a lot of the so-called experts, sharks, whatever you want to call them, they probably play more unders mm-hmm. just because the public public plays more overs. So when I see a total, you know, one twenty, one twenty-two, something like that, my first instinct is under. Yeah. Yeah. So, and if I see 160, my first instinct is over. That's interesting. What, uh, you, you made an, a, an interesting comment about Jalen Cohn the other night on Twitter. What, uh, what did you see that kind of opened your eyes there? I'll just admit, I, I totally just wasn't paying attention to this kid. Yeah. And, and I've heard, I've heard you mention him numerous times, heard you talk about him. You love the kid. You've mentioned it on Twitter numerous times, and I just really never paid attention. And normally, I pay attention to shooters, mm-hmm. and I I watched him play a couple times this year, and the kids just absolutely blown me away. I love him. They they run him off screens, um, you know. 
great elevation on his shot. I mean, he, the kid is just a great shooter, and I, for whatever reason, I just missed it. And that's why I kind of gave credit to you because you're the one that always talks about the kid, and I, I love to watch him play. Yeah, he's interesting. Um, you know, he's, he doesn't – I don't even think he really has the same size as McGee did at Wofford that uh, that that uh, Coach Mike Young kind of used in that in that certain wrinkle in his offense as far as running him off screens, getting him good shots. Cone is just – he's a little guy at 5'10", 5'11", I would say. Um, and that's, that might even be giving him an inch or two. But <clears throat> like you said, the way he rises up on a shot – I think he fits that that coaching style a little bit better than Landers Nolly did last year, where Nolly really really faded as the season went on and his, his efficiency went through the damn basement. So I think Kona is kind well, of built for that, but also uh, Wright has a very good roster around him of guys that can take some of that pressure off him as well. Well, l- listen, I, I don't understand why Landers Nolly couldn't play in Mike Young's system. Yeah, I mean, it just, it just tells me the kid's lazy because <laughs> and Jalen Cone. You watch that kid. That kid works his ass off. Yep. He, he move, is in constant movement. They set screens for him. They look for him. Uh, I've watched Virginia Tech, you know, a couple times in, in in the last week or so, and just came away very impressed with the kid. I like him a lot. Yeah, I think. Um... I, I'm not making the comparison. I'm not saying Jalen Cohn is on this level. And I honestly hate it when other people do shit like this, but I'm going to anyway. In that vein of constant movement and moving off screens, I think he kind of reminds me of the way Kyle Guy used to play, which Kyle Guy would just run guys ragged. And Virginia would just, you, you know, you're going to run him off a curl screen if it doesn't work? Cool, we're going to reset, and we're going to run you back through a double baseline screen and see if we can get him open that way. And... I, I just think that's the way he reminds me. Is he's he's never just standing in the corner fucking off. You know what I mean? Well, you see a lot of the standing in the corner and doing nothing, and it pisses me off that you you know you're gonna have two or three guys just standing around. You you, you get guys moving, and you coach the other guys to say, "Listen, Jalen Cohn is going to be coming off this screen. He's going to be coming off a down screen, or you know whatever. You have to be looking for him." Mm-hmm. You have to get in the ball on time because, you know, you, you have to get the kid shots. And I think the Kyle Guy comparison is a good one. I would go way back uh, and, and compare him to Steve Alford. Oh, there you go. Yeah. At Indiana. The kid was – you know, he wasn't as fast as Jalen Cohn, but he probably could shoot it better than Jalen Cohn. But they, they, they ran him off screens constantly. They were always looking for him. There you go. I mean, that's the kind of basketball I like to watch. Sure. Um, jumping out of – out of the ACC, I guess, just for a quick second, something that's kind of caught my eye over the past week and a half. And I don't know how much of Baylor you've actually watched, um, but I'm feeling very much like it was. It may have been a blessing for Baylor that that Gonzaga game was postponed or canceled, whichever. I'm not sure what the status of it is right now. Because watching Baylor play their last few games and they've really struggled in the first half, I no longer feel like it's Gonzaga and Baylor and the rest of the country. Right now, I think it's Gonzaga and then the rest of the country. Like, Baylor may be a a step ahead of the other teams in the top ten, but I'm not even sure that that's true right now. Have you you watched the Bears, and and what have you been thinking of them? I've watched Baylor a little bit. To me, the difference in in the two teams is just the skill on the offensive end for, for Gonzaga is just, off the charts and you know now Baylor the one thing they can do is they can ugly up a game you know they can get you down in the mud and and you know and really get up into you defensively and things like that but from an offensive standpoint it's not even close in my opinion yeah yeah I I, and I'm not sure that Baylor if, if Baylor's if they can ugly it up enough to stop all of Gonzaga's weapons I mean, you might be able to ugly it up and, and put, you know, like Teague or Mitchell may be able to slow down Kispert a little bit, you know, but I don't think that you can ugly it up enough where you're going to stop Timmy and Ayayi and Suggs and Kispert and Nemhard. I mean, I, I just don't see how any team right now can actually do that. I, I don't see that either. Uh, you, you know, you Baylor's an obviously good defensive team, but, you know, even good te- defensive teams are going to have to give something up. And Gonzaga has 
guys all over the court that can score. They can dump it down in the post to Timmy. Um, yeah, Gonzaga just looks pretty damn good right now. You're taking Gonzaga or the field to win the tournament right now? Probably neither. I'll just probably focus on just <laughs> betting each game, each game as it comes. And uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, people like to say, you know, the, probably the popular answer would be the field. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I won't place that bet. But yeah, right now know. it's it's. I think right now Gonzaga's plus three fifty. So. You know, I, I I would be more likely to find someone in the four digits, I guess. Um, I don't know what everybody else is looking at right now, or what everybody else has right now. I actually have to do a weekly article on this shit here pretty quick. But um, what I, what have you been watching? What was the most impressive thing you saw last weekend? What's what's what are you paying attention to that I'm missing here? I don't know that I'm paying any attention to anything that you're missing. Uh, I watched. Auburn and Alabama play ah, this weekend. Yes, sir. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, and obviously, I follow Auburn mm-hmm. uh, very cl- very closely and have for many, many years. And the big story was, was Sharif Cooper uh, made his debut. Uh, pretty, you know, stat line was impressive. Uh, and he, you know, he makes Auburn uh, palatable to watch now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, turbo left, they, right? Is that is that is that correct? You know, it, it's funny you bring that up. You know, you uh, uh, you and me and and T discussed turbo, mm-hmm. and I made the comment that I didn't think he was an SEC player because he's not an SEC player, right? And he, yeah, he transferred to South Alabama, which left Auburn when Cooper was sideline before he became eligible. They left him with Justin Powell, who's a freshman, the kid from Kentucky, yep. who is a good player. Yes. Okay, he gets hurt against Ole Miss, and Auburn has to go a game and a half with no point guard. Right, which they leave them with with who? The Flanagan kid, I guess. The the, the Flanagan kid, and you know, you can't get get on a kid. He's not a point guard. Sure, and so it was a little ugly. Watch, but I watched Auburn Alabama. Entertaining game. I thought it was a game that Auburn should have won. You know, Alabama won the game late, so I watched that. Um, and by the way, shout out to Richie Riley, which you just kind of nonchalantly say that, um, that, uh, oh, Turbo ends up at South Alabama. Like that's like the destination spot for kids transferring down right now. I mean, um, South Alabama brought in DeAndre Ballard, who was a Florida kid that was a former four-star recruit. Like Richie Riley can, can seriously recruit to South Alabama. It's absolutely crazy. Well, Listen, Turbo can play at South Alabama. Mm-hmm. He can, um, and you know, just he, he's just not good enough to play in the SEC. Sure. I also watched. I watched some of Creighton this weekend. Uh, they're very impressive offensive team. Uh, like like them. Um, kind of scrolling through the games here just to see, and seeing as how I'm, you know, on the staff of ACC Basketball Report, you would think I would know more about ACC Basketball. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so, um, I watched DePaul in Connecticut last night, and that was a just grotesque game of basketball. Really? Because I'm seeing uh, – so my, my vote for um, the Rockin' 25 is due tomorrow before noon, and everybody in that group right now – just loves the shit out of UConn, and you know I'm a I'm a book night guy. I, I like James Book Night a lot, um, but uh, I, I'm I'm a, I don't know if I'm buying. I mean, I, I guess beating Marquette on the road is a good win, um, but I, you know Butler's not good. DePaul's not good. I. I, I you know, I I, don't, I like the roster. I'm not sold on Hurley as a coach. I'm just I just don't know if I can put him in there. I I, I don't. I wouldn't begin to know how to rank them. Uh, obviously, the book night kid is out. Uh, they they just did not impress me at all. Yeah. Uh, watching him yes yesterday. Uh, one other guy. I did watch some of Kentucky and Florida. Mm-hmm. And Kentucky seems to be. 
starting to put things together. Which we knew they were. Uh, and uh, they have uh, Alabama at home tonight, which will be an interesting game. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, I actually I did watch some of that Florida game as well. Um, I've seen a lot of criticism about Boston, BJ Boston, Brandon Boston, whatever you want to call them lately. Um, and I kind of, you know, I want to make this point, like, as a prep player, yes, he played some wing. Um, he handled the ball in the perimeter a little bit. But his high school point guard teammate was Sharif Cooper. So it's not like B.J. Boston was out there handling the ball in high school. He, he played primarily on the wing. He played a lot of four, kind of a hybrid four type player. So, I mean, if you're going to put him out on the wing and let him shoot threes and do all this, you, you got to realize that he's still an NBA talent. He's just getting acclimated to a new position. I mean, when Sharif Cooper's your point guard, you just give him the ball and let him create in high school. I mean, that, was, that kid just took the state and of Georgia by storm. All, all B.J. Boston had to do was stand around and wait for the ball to come to him and then shoot it. Right, right. Because I'll say this about Sharif Cooper to get back to him for just a minute. The... Level of feel and awareness that kid has on the offensive end with the ball in his hands is unbelievable. The, I mean, he can pass it. His vision is off the chart, mm-hmm. unselfish. Um, I, I just hope, uh, and listen, I don't think the kid should go pro after a year. He's a small kid. I'm hoping Auburn can keep him for another one or two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but he, he is, he's going to be great. And poor B.J. Boston goes to Kentucky, and they don't have anybody like that. Right, right. You're talking about a, a program that has had fantastic point guards for as long as any of us can remember. And the one year where they got some guys in, like, Boston and Mintz, Saar, um, the, uh, the Clark kid who... DNP. He, he was a DNP in the Florida game. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know if he's hurt or what. Um, but he hurt. I, I think he, he is his ankle. Maybe okay. he has a foot injury. But I mean, when you have all that talent on the wing and on the block, and simply nobody to get the ball to them, you know, the Askew kid I think has been fairly disappointing, uh, given what I'd kind of heard about him as being a point guard. Um, Mintz is not a point guard. He's more of a spot up guy. He's a hell of a shooter. Um, you know, this this Kentucky team, if they had a damn point, if you put Tyler Eulis on this team, which that may be a bad example because Eulis was maybe an All-American his senior year, but you put him on this team and you've got you've got a hell of a damn team right now. Absolutely. Maybe, you know, if you're Kentucky, you probably try to do maybe a trade with Gonzaga, get him <laughs> hard or somebody <laughs> like that. Because Gonzaga has all this talent there, you know, that Kentucky, but you're right, they – they just need – what they need is a serviceable point guard. Sure, yeah. You know, somebody that can get in the lane, distribute, get other guys shots, get in, get, them, get them into their offense, that kind of thing, and they just don't have it. But I'll say this, Kentucky is improving. Yes. I think we knew that was coming, right? I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, they obviously struggled. And, you know, when you don't get a good point guard, point guard playing college basketball, you're going to struggle, but – you know, I think Cal's and those guys are starting to figure it out. And I've heard you say this before that, you know, Kentucky early, eh, you know, you just kind of have to roll with it. And then by the time late February, early March rolls around, they, they kind of figure it out. And, you know, they could end up, you know, being that 8, 9, 10 seed that you just don't want to see because they have figured it out. 10-4. So in the, in the vein of serviceable point guards – um, one kid that, if you're an ACC fan, may have been sticking out to you lately. You certainly heard his name, heard his story, and seen his fucking hair. Is the Carter Witt kid out of Wake Forest, who has basically, <laughs> basically supplanted um, Jacoby Neath in the rotation. Um, Neath played at least 20 minutes per game in each of the first five Wake Forest games. Played 13 against Virginia. Played six against Duke. And this this Carter Whip kid is just is just pushing him out of the rotation. And for a kid that just graduated high school in December, uh, I think it's worthy to be uh, to be recognizing him as quite the story in the ACC. He, I watched a little bit of him. I can't even remember who they were playing. They were obviously losing, but uh, 
he he uh, a <laughs> little bit of the weird out Yankovic vibe going on with that hair. Yeah. Uh, but the kid can obviously pass the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, you know, put him on Kentucky. I'm sure Kentucky, you know, would take a kid like that. But I I didn't get to watch too much of him. But it's obvious that this kid has some game, and it's just going to take him a little bit of time. And let me let me say this too. The one thing in college basketball to me now is a lot of these freshmen get so hyped coming in, and everybody loves to talk about the new shiny things That's and right. the freshmen and everything. What happens is you forget that these kids have to get stronger. They have to grow up. They have to learn how to play, uh, understand the team concept at this level. And, I mean, B.J. Boston is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody says, oh, he's all-world, he's going to do this, he's a pro, he's this, he's that. Man, you got to let these kids play, and you got you got to let them get stronger. And I, I, that bothers me for some reason. I don't know why, but it does. Well, I think it's it's worth noting that, that Steve Forbes is obviously willing to let this kid just get on-the-job training and learn with court time because, he, like I said, he's, he's pushing Neath to the end of the bench. And he's not, I mean, Witt isn't exactly playing fantastic. I mean, he's got, uh, let's see, 13 turnovers against 11 assists since since he's arrived. Um, he had seven turnovers against Duke um, just three or four days ago. Now, the three steals is nice. Um, you know, put up eight points. That's not bad a month after graduating high school. Seven turnovers is a lot. But I think Forbes is... Steve Forbes is a smart guy. He's a good coach. He knows what's going on. He knows this is a full rebuild. And if you give Witt, you know, 30 minutes of the game as a freshman and sophomore and just let him grow, by the time he's a junior, he might be an all-conference type player. It's interesting you say that, Michael, because I watched the Auburn rebuild Mm -hmm. with Pearl. And the first few teams he had were just kind of patchwork you know, guys, but once he got Jared Harper in there, yeah. he just had, he handed him the ball as a freshman and he dealt with the mistakes and said, this is your team. By the time you're a junior or senior, you're going to be crushing people. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's a good comparison with Wake right now. Cause I agree with you. I think Forbes knows what he's doing. I think he's a good coach. So he's handing this kid the ball and said, go out there and take your lumps. We're not. We know we're not going to be good this year, but you're going to get better. Yep, I like it. Yeah, I do too. I, I, you know, it, it's it's. I, I would compare it to like uh, like the Giants just trying all their all their hardest to win six games in the season and avoid getting the number one pick. Like they never get any better. Um, instead of going that route, Forbes is just like you know what. I'll lose 23 games this year or, or whatever, but my guys are going to get experience, and this is going to pay off in 24 months. Agreed. Let's see. What else is going on out there in the in the universe that we can talk about tonight? Well, I watched uh, one more thing. I, mm-hmm. I did watch uh, Bill Walton called the UCLA. <laughs> uh, he called UCLA in Arizona on Saturday night, so I watched that game, and uh, quick, quick shout out to Mick Cronin. He's doing a great job with Absolutely. UCLA. And was that the was that the first game of the year that Dave Pash did with with Walton? Was that correct? Uh, actually, my my good pal Roxy Bernstein called it. I nice. Believe. We got to get Roxy on yes. the show sometime. Well, we really do. I love that guy. Yeah, me too. You know, you know, and you know, we've we've joked in recent shows about my my attitude towards towards Bill Walton. I, I feel like he's just kind of playing into the uh, the persona a little bit too much in the last couple of years. I used to find him very, very enjoyable. But I could tell you that Paul Biancardi, I, I would rather watch five Bill Walton games in a row than listen to Paul Biancardi announce a basketball game. That is absolutely incredibly bad. Like, that guy is in charge of, of scouting and recruiting for ESPN, probably gets paid a boatload of money. And when he talks, I just shake my head like, how? How do they justify that salary? It's unbelievable. And, and you know, uh, there are a lot of them like that yeah. out there that, just, that are just aren't any good at it. And I would agree with your assessment on Walton. If you go back five, six years ago, man, he was off the charts entertaining. Mm-hmm. And now, I, I listen, I enjoy him. Um, you know, it's not for everybody. I get that. But he's not what he once was. I would say five or six years ago. Yeah, 
No, I just I feel like it was a it was more of a personality instead of a shtick, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, five six years ago, it was just him kind of being himself, and now he's just playing like the hippy dippy weatherman on on a basketball broadcast. It's just strange to me. I, I would agree. It's al- he's almost become a caricature of himself, right? You know that you know that he he, he tried a little too hard instead of just being Bill Walton. And I and I do like I, I do like when Pash is is with him on the mic because Dave keeps him in check while also kind of playing along. I think they're a great combination. Um, when you put Walton with like uh, what's his name, Jason Benetti, it, it gets a little bit weird. I don't, I'm not sure if that's the combination that I'm trying to think of, but um, Jason <laughs> Jason's an interesting guy too, and and he kind of plays it up a little bit. But I think Pash is more of like a. Uh, like a dog catcher, just kind of keep Bill reined in just enough to, to actually keep you on cue as far as what's going on in the actual basketball game that you're watching. Yeah, well, I'm, I think Roxy's the best at it. He doesn't do as many games as Pash does with Walton, mm-hmm. but Roxy's, Roxy's just such a laid-back guy, and he, he gets Walton. Yeah. And it, it's a really good combo. The fun, one of the funniest things I've ever seen is when Walton did a game with Boog Shambi. And it was <laughs> Jesus the, the, the it was the Maui Classic, Maui Gym Invitational, and Boog Shambi. I think that almost broke the guy because <laughs> he 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 couldn't take it. Two days of it, he was done. Well, Shambi usually works with Dockage, right? Uh, he does work with Dockage. And, you know, and Shambi is, is, is good. He good, you know, does baseball. Uh, well, that's, that's two good. different ends of the spectrum when you're talking about working with Dockage. Like, if you work with Dockage on Tuesday and then work with Walton on on Wednesday, you're probably going to have a seizure because it's just, <laughs> it's just too much for your brain to handle. I, 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 absolutely. But, I, you know, getting back to Roxy, I, I, he's just a good dude. And does a really good job with Walton and and whoever he's doing a game with. And man, I I, I would love for us to have him on at some point. Yeah, we're gonna have to pursue that very soon. We'll, we'll get on that. Um, I I don't. It seems like I don't ever catch a Roxy game very often anymore. Like it's it's always when I when I turn on the TV and I hear Hey Roxy, I'm like Hey, yeah, there he is. Now I remember what he sounds like. And then it will go you know three four weeks before I catch another one. So I don't know what his his schedule is set up as, but it seems like I catch very few of his games. Yeah, Roxy's on uh, Roxy late night. He does all that West Coast yeah. stuff. So you're probably you're probably you know asleep when Roxy's working. Uh, I, I keep old man hours, man. I mean, if if I see ten o'clock, uh, it's it's an interesting day. I, like it's yeah, uh, very very. I'm eight thirty to nine thirty. I'm somewhere in there, laying in bed, falling asleep, tailing off to some kind of game. Let's see. Yeah, UCLA off to a five and zero start in the, in the Pac twelve, which isn't very strong, but still, hey, it's uh, Mick well, going, in, the, the going th- above and beyond out there. Yeah, as well. The thing that impresses me, I've watched him twice now. Is he has those kids bought in? You can tell you, when you watch them; they play together, have a good solid rotation. Everybody knows, you know what, you know who's supposed to be scoring. Who's they have a good point guard in Tiger Campbell. Uh, I've just been incredibly impressed because they play hard and they play together. Who do you think is the, the biggest surprise, or who is the biggest surprise for you right now? Jeez. I'll, I'll give you mine. I, I, for me, it's got to be Texas, right? I mean, I, I, I mean they, they lose to Villanova by four at home. Okay, I mean, that's not a big deal. But Indiana, Carolina, Oklahoma State, Kansas, West Virginia, on the road. Um which, by the way, um, Kentucky just landed the commitment of West Virginia big man Oscar Shibwe in the past 24 hours. That's kind of predictable, but also huge. So, um, but but Texas, man, I'm sold. I think like I was very skeptical early in the season, but I'm sold right now. It's it's really hard not to be sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they're playing better. I honestly thought they would lose at West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, they they but. You know, when teams get going, they, they win those close games. And I'm going to kind of bring Brad Brownell into this, this Texas discussion. Mm-hmm. Clemson is also a team that I feel like if they're in the game with a couple minutes to go, they're going to win. Yep. Because they have old dudes, their chemistry is good. And Texas, 
which has lost those games, you know, for years now under Shaka, they're starting to win those games. That's right. So I think I think you're on the money. I think they probably have been the bigger surprise. Yeah, I think uh, I, I like the uh, I like the mention of Clemson there. Clemson is a, a very Clemson is almost like a Virginia Tech. Right? Clemson and Virginia Tech are very similar right now. I mean, you're getting you know the game is centered around your small ball five, Kevin Luma and, and Amir Sims respectively, and then. You got a bunch of specialists around him. Like Alamir Dawes is nothing flashy, but he kind of gets it done in that pick and roll offense. They're they're getting contributions from Nick Honor, um, you know Johnny Newman every once in a while. Alex Hemingway has hit some big shots, which I immediately went to ACCBasketballReport.com the other day and tried to look for an article that I wrote that included Alex Hemingway in the preseason, and apparently I cut it from the article, or I just mentioned it on the podcast. I'm not sure which, but I gave him a shout out in some article prior to the season and I can't find it. And it aggravated me so bad because I wanted to do a not so humble brag on Twitter. Like, Hey, remember when I was talking about this guy, but I couldn't find it. So it was all for naught. Well, speaking of Clemson, their one loss this year was at Virginia tech. Correct. Of all teams you know you're kind of comparing you know how they play or whatever but um you know and they had a chance to win that game you had a big win uh, they had a close win at, at miami they pulled the win out against nc state uh you know they had a good win against miami they, they've got some skins on that schedule man mm-hmm. mississippi state purdue maryland alabama I mean, these teams aren't great but they're not bad they're not terrible i think that alabama win is going to look better and better as the season progresses yeah, I think you're right. I, I'm not big on Alabama. I, I see guys on Twitter showing Alabama love, but I'm telling you, they just they don't defend. Yeah, uh, they are very, very dependent on the perimeter shot, which a lot of teams in college basketball are. I, I, but I, I, and it may be my Auburn bias creeping in. But I'm be honest with you, I, I'm not a fan of them. I, I just don't like their team. Yeah, I, beating Tennessee on the road in Knoxville. That stands out to me. Now, a lot of people are banging on Tennessee as well because Tennessee is getting a lot of love and hasn't really played anybody. Cincinnati, that's that's not a good win this year. Cincinnati's not good at all. The Colorado win is going to hold up over the course of the season, I think. Colorado's definitely a, uh, a tournament team. Uh, Missouri it looks great, but they've now they've lost two out of three, including a bad loss um, about a week ago to Mississippi State. So uh, it's... Uh, yeah... I think Tennessee's good, but I don't know if they're as good as everybody else thinks they are. But I, I do I do like Alabama. I love their guard play. I love Shackelford. Uh, Quinterly is great. I love watching Petway shoot the ball. Uh, not Petway. John Petty shoot the ball. So I think they've got some horses. I like their coach. But, uh, yeah, as far as on the defensive end, yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot night tonight. Oh, let's see. Man, I think I'm... What are we at right now? Are we at an hour? Wow, we're at 50 minutes already. It didn't feel like that long. Um, I think... What do you got, man? What do you got for me? What do I have? Yeah. What about Iowa? What do you think of Iowa? I, I like Iowa. Uh, I see people out there obviously critical of them on the defensive end, but they're very skilled on the offensive end. Right. Uh, that so I mean I like their team I think I mean th- those are a bunch of dudes that are comfortable playing together mm-hmm. and I enjoy watching them. Um, Garza is Garza is just an interesting dude to me. Uh, he looks like he labors up and down the court <laughs> and he, he ends up with thirty points and ten rebounds. Well, I think on. So, Four or five different occasions this year, he's outscored his their opponent in the first half all by himself. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I give the kid credit, man. He plays so hard. He he, Every, he does. He looks like he's lumbering up and down the court. That's yeah. It's a great, it's a great I mean, he's, he's dragging a tire behind him when he's running <laughs> up and down the court. But the fact is, he gets from post to post, and you know he does work down there. He's a very physical kid and plays extremely hard. So for Iowa. I give him a thumbs up. I like. So when you're when you're second in the nation in adjusted offensive efficiency, you can you can 
be 73rd in defense. And I think that's probably better than, than what a lot of people expected coming into the season. Um, you know, in private conversations all over the place, we've all, everything on Iowa was, you know, a lot of people had them top five, top six coming into the year. And, you know, even I, I think I had them 14th or 15th coming into the season because I didn't think they would play any kind of defense. And, I mean, I'm not saying 73rd in the country is good in defensive efficiency, but it ain't half bad when you're the second best team on offense in the nation. So, Well, and I, two things about Iowa. I think I saw you tweet something about the Murray kid for them. Love Keegan Murray. Okay. I, I like him, too. He's a guy that provides some things for them that you need. Mm-hmm. He rebounds the ball. He actually defends. And the second thing is, is that – McCaffrey, which I think is smart, when you have a very good offensive team, you don't you can play some zone, mm-hmm. okay, to keep guards out of foul trouble. You know, Iowa is not overly athletic, so they're not going to come out and get all over you man to man. So they're not going to be a great defensive team, but they're so good and so skilled offensively that all you have to do is mix in enough stops. Yeah. Mixing enough stops, score eighty-five or ninety, and you're going to win your share. You know, I think the other thing is, um, you know, Murray's six-eight. He can play on the wing. Um, the other part is Connor McCaffrey is also a heck of a defensive player. So if you go to a two-three like that, and you put Murray down low, you put McCaffrey up on one of the one of the the foul line positions. You know, that's two plus defenders that you've got out there, and obviously Gars is an animal. So. You know, it's always difficult to rebound, especially defensively out of zone. Um, but Garza is that plus talent that probably can rebound out of his zone just out of sheer willpower. So, you know, with with Murray's miss, minutes going up, you now have two plus defenders on the court with probably one of, if not the best, defensive rebounder in the entire nation. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like this Iowa team more and more. Um, Jordan Bohannon coming back from a hip injury was a guy that I thought would never be the same. And he had some insane double-double the other day from the wing. It was 20 and 14 assists, something like that. Um, I mean, he's been shooting the ball, lights out lately. I mean, this is a team, this may be the only team right now on my radar that can hang with Gonzaga offensively. And I think, I mean, that's that's a game that we all deserve. I mean, Garza versus Timmy, um, Bohannon and Kispert. Suggs and Frederick, which CJ Frederick's not really a household name, but he's a damn good player if you're watching Iowa play. Uh, he's obviously not on the level of Suggs, who's going to be a, probably a top two, top three draft pick, but um, CJ Frederick can play. And then you got Wieskamp on the wing for Iowa, who, who's going to try to keep pace with Kispert. So, I, you know, I hope at some point we get that game. And in order to beat Gonzaga, and I've seen the comparisons with the Alabama football, you know, where. If you're going to beat Alabama in football, you have to figure out a way to get one or two stops when you need it. And you're going to have to score against Gonzaga. I mean, you going into the game to have any chance, you're going to have to score, what, 85? No, oh, anyway. Maybe, yeah. 90, maybe 90. So, And I was certainly capable of doing that. Um, and I actually, it's funny, I, I would, and this may be crazy, but I think actually Iowa is a better matchup against Gonzaga than Baylor. I would agree with that at this point. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to uh, there's a correlation there. I think with what we saw just last night, I believe. Now I was a little bit sleepy when this was on, but last night in the national championship game for the football, I believe they went touchdown to touchdown for like the first four possessions. I believe that to be correct. Um. And then I think Bama finally held, or Bama went up by a touchdown, I believe, and then held for, uh, not Florida State, Jesus Christ, Ohio State to a field goal, and then Alabama scored another touchdown. And that provided enough breathing room, basically, for Bama to kind of put them away. Like, and then, of course, Alabama ran away with it in the second half. But you, you got to get those kills, you got to get those key stops. And I'm not sure that anybody can really do that against Gonzaga, but I think that Iowa can keep up and keep scoring touchdowns with Gonzaga. And that's that's perfectly put. It against Alabama, you you need you need some turnovers. Mm-hmm. You need you have to have some good fortune. And the same thing with Gonzaga. You said that Iowa can score touchdowns with them. They can, but over a full 40-minute game, 
I mean, Gonzaga just puts so much pressure on you. It's 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 really tough. But you know, maybe maybe they'll end up playing again because I like I said I like Iowa and um, I think they'll both go deep. Me too. Me too. I was a little, like I said, I was skeptical in the in the off season, but now having watched them play four or five times, I mean, this is one of the best three four teams in the country. I have no doubt. So. Um, I don't know, man. I'm out. Or I'm not out, but I'm just kind of tapped on on whatever topics we wanted to talk about. Is there anything left you want to talk about tonight? Well, we can close it out. we got Syracuse and North Carolina tipping at 9. You'll probably see the first, what, 8 minutes? <laughs> Somewhere, yeah, if I'm lucky. <laughs> if I make the under-16 timeout, we'll be doing good. Well, give me your thoughts there. Uh, if, if Syracuse was... I, you know, I love... Quincy Guerrier, um, I just there's not enough size in that Syracuse front court to hang um, with Carolina. I don't think now the the obvious you know key to the game is can North Carolina shoot in any kind of fashion um, to to put any kind of pressure on that Syracuse defense. And I, what I've seen this year, no. I, I mean, R.J. Davis is going to have to have a hell of a game tonight in order for North Carolina to win that game, even at home. Now, Syracuse being um, without Sidibe, uh, you know, you're not going to get anything out of Jesse Edwards, who I don't think has actually played has played a ton of minutes, if any, um, this year. But you know, Dolajai is going to have to just really hammer the glass. I think you know you're going to get. You know, eight to ten boards out of Garrier. Um, you know, Braswell saw some minutes in the Georgetown game, but I, I think Carolina is just going to murder them on the offensive glass. I, I really do. And you know, you get Dayron Sharp, Garrison Brooks, um, and Baycott in there going up against Dolajai. I mean, I just don't see any way how Dolajai holds his own. Um, now we talked earlier about. I gotta check what the total is on this game now that we're talking about this because 140, 145 and a half under all day under all day in that game absolutely that's an easy one under by five um, and when I write this noted <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, and I and I just said earlier in this podcast that I never bet the under but at Carolina doesn't shoot the ball well enough to to take Syracuse out of that game. Um, that said, Carolina's probably going to destroy them on the offensive glass, so I will take Carolina to win the game at home, um, uh, unless unless that trio on the on the perimeter for Syracuse just gets really really hot. Um, I, I don't see how Syracuse can keep up with Carolina on the glass. I think Carolina's going to pound them into the ground. Well, I, that's probably a, a good note to close on, and uh, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, man. I think this is the first time we've done just the two of us, correct? It is the first time, and uh, I promise uh, all of you out there listening, we will have a guest for the next one, so you don't have to listen to my horse shit for <laughs> 60 minutes. You, do, should we drop who it is? Uh, you're, you're the CEO. That, you can do it. Okay, so I reached out to a previous, uh, previous guest. Um, in my opinion, the best episode of ACCBR um, that's, that's been produced up to this point. Um, and we're trying to work out a, a good time for Louisville assistant coach Dino Gaudio to, to join us again on ACC Basketball Report. Um, I've just got to reach out to him um, in some kind of fashion over the next couple of days to, uh, to confirm that and kind of have a conversation with coach and see, see where we're at. Um, but I think it's going to give us a lot of interesting insight as to how you know, Louisville or any any school right now in Division One is kind of navigating um, their way through this season during this pandemic, and it's it's something that I'm really excited about. And if you have not listened to the Dino Gaudio episode, you need to go and do that. It was absolutely incredible. What these podcasts are for are get is really getting to know the guest. And after listening to Dino Gaudio on that episode, I became a fan immediately. Such a well-spoken guy with great stories. I cannot, I can't wait to have him on. It will be awesome. Looking forward to it. Me too, man. I will be in touch with you, and we'll get it set up, and we'll see the rest of you guys next week. Sounds great. Thanks, Jim. See you, buddy. So that was me and the Chimp doing our first, uh, our first podcast with just the two of us with no guests. Um, 
I liked it. We, uh, <laughs> we, we obviously went unscripted. We didn't really, you know, he asked me the other night, he said, you know, what do you want to talk about? I said, I don't know, anything, nothing, everything, doesn't matter to me. So we just got to get on and rambled, um, kind of, kind of ventured outside of the ACC a little bit. Um, that was, I want to say kind of by design, just simply because things have been so hit and miss lately that it's difficult to stay just on track with the ACC. Obviously, uh, Wake Forest was shut down for a long period of time. Georgia Tech's been off for about a week, week and a half now. Florida State hasn't played since just a couple days after Christmas. Um, we have touched upon uh, Virginia Tech, Clemson, as well as Duke, North Carolina, Virginia in recent weeks with, with experts like Deshaun Tate. So, you know, I thought it would be worth our while to kind of venture outside of, of our comfort zone a little bit and give give an opinion on, on what's going on around the rest of the nation. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know we did. Um, again, Dino Gaudio, I'm not sure the episode will air um, early next week. It all depends on, on Coach Gaudio's schedule and what we can make work. But, I'm, you know, I'm certain it's going to be a great episode. Again, maybe my my favorite episode i've done in whatever it is 107 108 episodes of accbr was with coach gaudio and his his comments just on on skip prosser um the wake forest situation the way that he coach mack and, and coach murray are, are building the current louisville situation um it's it just i mean dino's a great guy and i can't wait to hear him talk about about how they're navigating this situation so hope you guys tune in next week don't forget uh apple podcast like rate review share the podcast get the word out acc basketball report is the premier destination for acc opinions and news and updates i appreciate y'all later